Hey, it's good to see you guys. Good to see smiling faces. Welcome, everyone. Uh, my name is Tony. If you guys did not know, I am the pastor of our uh, EM here. I'm glad you guys are here to worshiping with us and being here. Uh, we're glad that you are. Um, hey, today I wanna I wanna give you guys a, uh, a just a message. We just finished a series called Rooted in Christ, a year of Christ-centered growth, and it was a it was a series that was developed to kind of. Uh, hit some of the fundamental characters of what it means to be a believer, right? So here you are, you proclaim with your lips that I believe in Jesus Christ, and yet sometimes your life, or actually maybe a majority of the time of your life, your life does not actually live out what you believe, right? And the problem between what you proclaim and the reason why it doesn't come out in the way you proclaim it is an issue of discipline, an issue of spiritual discipline. And we spent about eight weeks talking about the disciplines of worship, community, discipleship, mission, to say, hey, look, if we would really engage in these disciplines and really focus down and narrow into these disciplines, what happens is what you proclaim begins to become what you live out. And what you say that you believe becomes to become the character of your life, right? And of course, we ended the whole series with a retreat. When well, this is a great retreat, if you guys went to the retreat, if you guys didn't go to the retreat, hey, we love you, uh, come next one, right? But the retreat was to answer the next big question, which is, hey, you know what, okay, so these disciplines are here, um, um, I get it, but what's next? What's the next step, right? What's the next step of my Christian life? And just kinda having a conversation of developing that, having that in your mind. But this uh, next two messages I'm gonna be sharing will be kind of like a follow-up to the last series. And the follow-up is it's, it's to, ask the, to answer the basic question of, hey, what, what is my next step? What is, how do I discover my call in my life? How do I discover my call in my life? Your call doesn't necessarily mean it's your job, right? Your job does not necessarily mean it's your call, but your call can be your job. Let me give you an example, right? So if you guys have ever a confusion about call and job, I'll, I'll clear it up for you guys right now, right? You're, a call that you have, all Christians have a call, by the way. If you think, like, I can be a Christian and I don't have a call in my life, you are absolutely wrong. All Christian, the moment you were born again, God is preparing you, shaping you, and building you. He's taking everything that's about you, and he's going to use it for the call that he has for your life. And your call is something that you do to minister to another person, another group, a, a, a life. A call is how you build somebody, a group of people, into the full measure of Christ into spiritual maturity. And this doesn't have to be in the church, it could be outside the church, but your call in life is that God has prepared you in every aspect of your life to build somebody up in spiritual fullness of Christ and spiritual maturity. That's your call. Your job is what you do for a living, but it also could be your call. For example, the Apostle Paul, the writer of the New Testament, one of the profound writers, uh, uh, probably profound thinkers of our time, or, or of that time, his job was, he was a tent maker. He folded and made tents. But his call was that he was a church planter. He was an apostle to the churches, right? For example, I am, my job is I work at Elite. I'm an SCT teacher, right, math teacher and whatever. But my call is I'm a pastor of this church, okay? You can have a job that's your call. For example, you say, I have a job that works in law, but I've been called to bring, help bring justice to the widows, the orphans, and the foreigners. So my job is answering my call as well. It works together. You can have a job that's in the medical field, but your call in the medical field was simply to be, I'm here to bring good quality healthcare to those who cannot afford it. And you go out there and you're ministering your call to people to do what? To build them up into the full measure of Christ to bring spiritual maturity into their life. A call is bringing someone closer to who God is. Your job is the job you do. They can come together, but you have to understand the difference. Okay, you guys get that? Okay, a job can be what you do for, for, for money, but your call could be something different, right? Um, you know, Stephen Colbert, he's a... He's a He's the talk show host on Late Night, right? He's, he's a Catholic, but his, he would say his job is a late night talk show host. But his call, did you guys know that he, he teaches Sunday school to a bunch of kids, right? It's really funny. I was like, I was like you do? When I found that out, I was like, oh, that's interesting, you know? Apparently, kids love him, and he has a, a way to build people up to the full measure of that, right? And he does it very well, apparently, 
Okay? So your job and your call, you guys get the difference? Now, if you are a Christian, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, everybody has a call. You, everyone has a call. If you don't think you have a call, it's your time to start thinking about what is my call, God. Actually, next few weeks, you should be actually asking this question, what is my call in life, Jesus? What are you calling me to do? Where can I start to begin to journey of discovering my call? You guys got that? Today I want to share with you a passage that teaches a few things we need to get right if you want to step into your call. There are four things that you have to understand and seek first if you are going to discover your call in life. And I'm going to push this again. Every Christian has a call. Every Christian has a call. Not necessarily your job. Your job could be your call, but every Christian regardless of your job, has a call to minister to a person, to a group of people, uh, to build them up into the full measure of Christ, into spiritual maturity, to help them to grow in that. Every Christian. So if you're living your life and you're thinking, oh, like what am I doing with my life? It's just being in church, my call? You have to ask the question. This is when you have that gut check of taking the next step. God, what is my call in life? Okay. Every Christian has something that they must give account to God for in the end. If you are a believer, one thing you can guarantee is that you have a ministry. God's going to look and he's going to ask. He's going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done with what? Well done with answering your call. Right? Well done with answering the call that I have given to your life. So we are never called to be passive. We are never called to be stagnant. And we're never called to be floating. We are called to do something for the kingdom of God. Today, I want to share with you, how do I discover my call? You guys get ready? All right, how do I discover my call? Go to Ephesians chapter 4. We can go 1 through 16. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 16. All right, I'm going to read all of it, and then we're going to pray, and then we'll get into this. How do I discover my call? Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 16. Listen now. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you, live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Let's pray. And so, Father, we, um, we come before you here in your word and I just pray that you would now in this moment stir in the hearts of every brother and sister and every friend and family that's here. Stir in our hearts, O oh Lord, the heavy burden of the call of what it means to follow you. Lord, I pray that we would awaken, that you would awaken our spirit, our minds, that you would captivate our imagination to believe and to understand that there is something in this life that you have crafted us, that you have made us, and that you have formed us to accomplish and to do for the people and for your people and for your kingdom. Holy Father, I pray that today as we listen to this word, would you open our eyes to understand it. Open our ears, O oh Lord, to receive it. And open our hearts, O oh God, to embrace it. Lord, would you uh, use me unfaithful and unworthy as I am to uh, preach this word. Father God, to do the work that you have called me to do. I praise you, I thank you, and I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 
How do I discover the call in my life? How do you discover the call of God in your life? The first thing is verse one to six. What we see here is this, this, this picture of unity that Christ is, that Paul is crafting here. This picture of, uh, of a relationship between each other that's built on this idea of unity, the way you're humble, the way you're connected, the way you love, the way you build each other. It's built on this picture of unity. Look at verse one to six, okay? As a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. So this is the life you ought to be living. Be completely humble and gentle, patient, bearing with one another in love, making effort to keep the unity of the spirit to the bond of peace. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. How do you discover your call? You have to understand that every Christian becomes a Christian the same way. There is a unity in this body. Why did Paul write the first six verses here? What he was saying was there's a problem in the church. The problem was some people were kind of like giving a lot of accolades by the way they were saved. Some people felt like, you know, look, look, how, look how I came to Christ. I was a sinner. I was somebody who was uh, uh, on the streets, drug dealing, prostitute, and now my conversion was so dramatic. It was so powerful. And look at all of these things. And there are people in the faith who are kind of like, I kind of just kind of came into it. I kind of rolled into it. I accepted it. There was nothing dramatic about my life. And there was this kind of discrepancy here between people. One group thinking like, maybe I'm not as saved. And one group thinking maybe I'm too saved, right? And so there was this kind of like um, comparison that was happening here. And, and that really messes up the way we think because when you start thinking like that, then you start thinking only a certain type of people get to have a call, right? Only a type of, certain type of few people can get to do something Christian for the Lord. You know, unless they have some sort of huge dramatic change in their life, unless God has spoken and like they heard his voice verbally or saw his actual vision, those are the ones that are meant to do the call. I'm just here in the background kind of like living my life. And Paul is saying that's absolutely wrong. If you want to discover your call, the first thing you have to understand is that every Christian becomes a Christian the same way. Paul is saying my salvation is no different from your salvation. My salvation is no different. It's no less powerful, no less miraculous, no less amazing than your salvation. Jesus saved everyone the same way. That's why Paul wrote seven times the word one. Right? One body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God. Why did he use seven? It's a picture of completion. It's a number that tells you that it is done. And it's saying that your salvation is complete because of who Jesus Christ, what Christ has done in your life. That's it. You are saved the exact same way every single time. So the minor differences in believers are minor. Your salvation is all the same. Paul is saying this. Paul is saying, I'm the dude who saw Jesus face to face. I saw him. I'm the dude who was blinded by Jesus. I'm the dude who had the scales fall off my eyes. I'm also the dude that became the most prominent church planter in the uh, Western world. I am the guy who brought Christianity to the Roman Empire. I'm that dude, and my salvation is no less different than yours. We're in the same place. So it begins to be silly when you have bought into this mindset that I cannot do something for the Lord. I must have somebody who's a little bit more, you know, who's been saved a little bit more dramatically than me do that stuff. I'm just in the background doing my own thing, right? Paul's saying there's no difference between me and you. We're one. One body, one spirit, one God. Fundamentally, we're the same. For example, I'll give you an example. Let's say a father, he has a 21-year-old engineering son, and he also has a 13-year-old daughter, sweet, angelic, awesome, handicapped, on a wheelchair, right? Now, there's a lot of differences between these two kids. One is an adult, one is not. One is a child. One is male, one is female. One is independent, one is dependent. They have minor differences, but the fundamental thing is the same. They're still loved by the father. They still have the father's inheritance. They still are cared for by the father. They are still in relationship to the father. Same inheritance, same love, same access to the father. Nothing's changed, okay? So if you want to discover your call, the first thing you have to do 
is you got to break this horrible mindset that only certain types of people can do God's work. Only certain types of people can actually carry out God's stuff. The moment you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you are a son and daughter of God, you are all called into ministry. So break that mindset. Whether you came to Christ because you were a drug dealer and you found the Lord Jesus Christ on the streets, or you were just somebody who grew up in the church and you, know, you accepted Jesus Christ in your life when you were a kid in Sunday school because someone helped you pray the prayer and you gave your life to Christ then. The call is the same. Your salvation is the same. Nothing's changed. You guys follow that? We're all in the same place together. Therefore, we all have a call in God. Not one person does it more than the other. We're all there, okay? That's the first thing. If you want to discover your call, break that habit. Break that habit. It's such a horrible habit to have, you know? Like, it's the idea where I have a lot of parents come up to me and says, can you pray for my child to accept Jesus Christ in their life? I was like, why can't you pray? Except you're the pastor. I was like, my prayer and your prayer is pretty much the same prayer, guys. You know, we're talking to the same God here. I said, no, 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 no. Your prayer is more powerful. I was like, no, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way at all, right? At all. But you know why they have that mindset? It's because this idea of, hey, you know, because they're in certain positions or they have certain callings or they developed their life that way, they, gave the, they have some sort of huge dramatic change in their world, therefore they must have a closer access to God. No, Jesus Christ died so that we all have access to God. He didn't die so that only some of us have it and some of us are the one leading the other. He died so that all of us have access to God. So you get it out of your mind that somehow you do not have a call from God, by God, to do the work that he has given you to do. You all have a call if he is your Lord. But here's the second thing. If you want to discover your call, you need to understand that unity does not mean uniformity, okay? Unity does not mean uniformity. It means that you are allowed to be, there's, a lot, there's something different. There's, there's a, there's, you're allowed to be an individual here in the midst of this unity. Let me share what I mean here. Verse 7 to 8. But to each of us, Grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he led, kept, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men, right? Grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. He gave to each of us. What Paul is saying, that this, this, this image here is an image of a ruling a general. When a king goes off to war, he goes off and he fights the enemy. And when he comes back from the war, he's victorious. He comes back to war. There's a huge parade. The enemy is lined up behind them. They're in chains. They're in shackles. And then all of the riches, all of the wealth that, that, that was won from there, as they're parading through the kingdom, right, everyone's just shouting and cheering for their king. He would give all of the riches and he would, he would just spread it out to the people on the streets. And he would share it to everyone. He would apportion the gifts to everybody, okay? And so in one picture, Jesus, uh, Paul is saying you were all unified in the fact that we're all saved the exact same way. There is not one salvation greater than the other salvation. We're all saved because Jesus Christ saved us. But on the other picture, he's saying, but this unity does not mean uniformity. We think unity means that all Christians have to do the exact same thing, sit around, play a guitar, sing kumbaya, and then that's how we are actually Christians, right? Or all Christians must be somehow opening their homes every single day to Bible studies, or all Christians must be doing these things exactly the same. There are, these are characteristics that you do, but it doesn't mean that's exactly how you worship, that all Christians have to worship a certain way. We have that mentality because of what? We see the military, right? If you're in the military, to, do a single, to be in the military, you have to do what? You have to shave your head. You have to work together. You have to become one mind so that when you go out to battlefield, you're working together as one, right? That's uniformity because we don't want prima donnas in the military. We don't want people to have this individualistic mindset say, it's about me. It's about all of us combining together as one. But in the Christian life, in the Christian world, the glory of Christian unity, you know what it is? The glory of Christian unity is not because we're mechanical, and we all do the exact same thing. The glory of Christian unity is because diversity of people in the whole entire group. We're all diverse. We're all unique. We're all distinct. We're all been given gifts. And in these things, we all focus on one thing together. It is God's kingdom. In our own separate, distinct, unique way. There are certain gifts that he has poured specifically unto you. How many of you guys are artists? Don't raise your hand. I know you guys, right? If you're an artist in the house, you know that when you do an art form, what do you do? You pour yourself into the art, right? A little part of yourself goes into your art, right? 
A little bit of who you are is in the art that you do. Your backgrounds, your, 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 your heart, your, your, it's poured into the art. And in the same way, Jesus Christ, our Father, our God, is the artist and we are his art. He pours a little bit of who he is into each of us. It's something unique and distinct for all of us. You reflect God's glory in some specific way. You have certain gifts, capacity, people that you alone can help, certain deeds that you alone can do. God has given you this capacity to do that. You didn't choose this stuff. For example, there's a lot of things you didn't choose. You may think you chose a lot of things, but there's a lot of things you didn't choose. You didn't choose your nationality, right? Your parents, you didn't choose your parents. You didn't choose your gender. You didn't choose the problems that you had growing up, the sufferings you had to go through. You didn't choose any of that. But your Father in heaven, what does he do? He took all of that. He took all of that, good and bad, and he crafts it in such a way that makes you more unique, more distinct, more individualistic than you can possibly ever imagine. You actually, are, you don't realize how, in, uh, you, don't, you don't lose your individuality as a Christian, which I think a lot of us, we may have this mindset, like if I'm a Christian, I have to lose my individuality. No, actually, if you're a Christian, you discover for the first time, right, more of your individuality. You discover how your past was used, is, is being used by God. You discover how your weakness and your strength is being used and crafted by God. You discover how your, your tics and your, um, your, your, your gifts are used specifically, crafted specifically for God's purpose. So yes, we are unified, but there's also a, a, a picture of this, this idea of non-uniformity. We're unique. We're unified, and yet we're unique in our unity. So you have to understand, first and foremost, just because you come from a bad past or you're from a good past, whatever it is, who you are, your background, your ups, your downs, your broken relationships, your broken life, your, your depressions, your health, your sickness, things that have crafted you to who you are, I want you to know something, okay? God takes that. And in his artistry, he pours something beautiful into that, and he makes you more unique than ever before. I think if you're a millennial or a Gen Z, you love this idea, right? Because I know Gen Z, when they go to a workplace, they don't, they don't like to just be called an accountant. They have to be an accountant that does, you know, like, that saves people from poverty somehow. Like, it has to be, some, it has to be like a bunch of different like titles behind the idea of accountant because accountant is being labeled. You want to be individualistic, right? But I'm going to tell you something. As a Christian, you actually discover how unique you are because you discover how uniquely God uses everything about you. Not just a talent, but your past, your life, your ups, your downs. He crafts that into his form. If you're going to discover your call, you have to recognize that everything about yourself, right, is the unique design by God that he will use for him in this moment. So don't brush it off. Don't cancel it. Don't say, like, that's my path. I don't want anything to do with that. But that recognize that part of you is being used by God. That part of you is being engaged by me. So if you ever been to my baptism class, I always, give this, I always share the same testimony. I always share the same story um, from this thing, I am second. That's by a woman who was uh, caught up in prostitution her whole entire life. And it was a testimony of her life in prostitution and how God has, eventually she came to a place in her life where it's just totally lost and she met the Lord in a dramatic, powerful way. But in the midst of being healed and being saved, and she, she understood that her calling, her calling was to do what? Was to go back to the streets when she grew up. She passes out, you know, contraceptives. She passes out things to help these girls. And she tells them, God loves you. You're beautiful. You're worth it. You're valued. That's her call, right? She could easily say, oh, you know, that past is just ugly. I, I want nothing to do with that. I'm a whole new person. I'm going to do my own thing now. No. God takes that. And you, I can't do that. Can you imagine if, I, if you guys caught me in the middle of the street doing that? You guys were like, Pastor Tony, what? he may think he, it looks like he's doing, he's, he's being a minister. Is he really though, right? I can't do that. I'll probably be like, you know, yelled at half the time if everyone caught me, you know? But she can. 
unique, distinct, made, created that way. Her ups and her downs that God used that he crafted that for what? For the calling to build a people, to bring people into that place. You guys follow me? If you're going to discover your call, first you have to understand there is no hierarchy in terms of salvation. We're all saved the same way. My salvation, your salvation, exactly the same. I am no better and I'm no worse than you. Get that? But you also have to discover the call. You have to recognize that you are, as a person, uniquely, beautifully crafted by God. That he has made you. And if you think for a moment, I have nothing to offer, then you had not really looked into your life. If you think for a moment, I have nothing to offer this world, I have nothing to offer God, you have plenty to offer God. Everything about your life, he has made it for his purpose. He is is going to use it. For The Bible says, I have worked out all things for the good of those who love me. I will work out all of these things for the good to those who are called according to my purpose. So don't ever have this mindset, I have nothing to give. I have nothing to offer. I'm just a nobody. I have no, every aspect of you, even your likes and your dislikes, even, even the things that you gear towards, it is used, crafted, molded by God for his purpose. You are distinct and you are unique vessels of his that he has given you a gifts for, okay? Those two things you have to get off the bat. You guys follow me? Those are your own personal things, your own personal issues that you got to deal with. There is no such thing as one salvation versus the other. And there is no such thing as I am not good enough to be used by God. Or I don't have enough in my life to be used by God. But here's this, this is the third thing you have to know. If you're going to discover your call from God, you got to submit to the spiritual equipping ministry that God has placed over you. Okay? If you're going to be, if you're wondering, like, uh, how do I remember these points? You've got the sermon notes up there. It's all written in there, right? You got to be equipped you got, to be, you got to submit to the spiritual equipping ministry that God has given to you. Look at verse 11 to 13. So it was Jesus who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Do you, so let's say you understand this. Let's say you got the first two ideas down. I have been given a salvation, and therefore my salvation requires a call. I have been made for a call. My life is distinct and unique to be used by God for something, for something. Now, just because you have that, it doesn't mean you're done. What happens next is that you must be equipped to carry out what you are going to do. You must be equipped through what? The offices that Jesus Christ has laid down. The offices of what? The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, teachers. They are there. We are there. I am here to equip you to do the work that God has distinctly, uniquely made you to do. To be a blessing and a, uh, a spiritual blessing to those around you. I'm not talking about your job here. I'm talking about your call, okay? And you, gotta just, you have to learn to differentiate that. Now, if it's the same thing, amen, right? But if it's not, it's okay. You can have both. But you have to understand, if I'm going to be called into something, I have to be equipped for that. And what does the equipping look like? What do the apostles do? The roles of the apostles? The apostles were the very specific group of people that were chosen by Jesus himself, that he showed up to, their, to them face to face, he trained them himself, and he says, you are now to go and to make sure that my words, my teaching is kept uniform throughout the whole entire Christian world. It's kept in key throughout the whole entire Christian kingdom. Okay, so the apostles did that. They went out and they made sure every church that was built up, it was built up in the gospel and the words of Jesus Christ, right? They were the ones who saw Jesus alive, dead, and buried, so they have to speak of the resurrection. Now, after the apostles died, the church recognized we still need their voice. So what did the church do? All of their writings, they put it together, and we have what we call the New Testament. So when you are to say, I'm being equipped by the apostles, you know what that means? Is that you are submitting to these words that is being given and left to you. So how do I know how to live out my calling to group A or group B, PT? How am I supposed to do that? Well, the first thing you got to do is you got to be equipped in his word. Do you know his word? How are you going to bring someone to the fullness of Christ if you don't even know who Christ is? 
right? How are you gonna how are you gonna bring someone to spiritual maturity if you don't even know what how do you get to spiritual maturity? So you gotta put yourself under this word first and foremost, the words of the apostles, right? And on top of that, what will the prophets and the evangelists do? Their job was to be preachers on the move, going around teaching. Wherever your call is, you're going to have to go out there and do it. You guys get that, right? You're going to have to go out and carry out your call out there or somewhere around here, but build it up there. But you're going to have to meet other people. You're going to have to meet different people. And if you meet different people, you got to know how to do what? Evangelize. You have to know how to speak what God's word is. You have to know how to share that. And so the office of evangelists and prophets are there to do what? To teach you, to equip you to share your faith, to be able to go into your workplace or go into this place of your calling and to be able to share your faith. If you can't even share your faith, guys, how are you going to build anyone up into the fullness of Christ? How are you going to build anyone up into spiritual maturity if you can't even share what you believe? And let's make it even simpler. I'm not even calling, telling you guys to be calling something bigger, but if you are a family, if you're a father, if you're a mother, you're going to make a family, husband and wife, you're called into your family, right? And if you can't even evangelize to your kids, if you can't even share the beautiful words of the good news to your family, what is that? So what is the job of the evangelist? Is to equip you, to teach you, to share with you, to enable you to do this, right? And what's the job? And the third position, third office, was the pastor's teacher. Pastor's teachers were the main were the main equipping ministry. They stayed with the body, they shepherded the people, and they cared for them. They taught and explained the word to the people. And so even though you have the word, and you're trying your best to obey it, and even as you're going out, you're sharing it, you need someone to come alongside you, to walk with you, to explain it sometimes to you. And that's my job. That's my job, right? I'm the pastor. I'm the shepherd. I'm here to walk alongside you, to live with you, to be in your life, to nudge, to encourage to build up, to remind you, this is who you are. Don't forget. This is what God's calling you to do. Don't forget. This is your life. Don't forget. It's my job. And if you're going to discover your call, you're going to have to submit to these offices. You can't just say, oh, I'm going to be a Christian, but I don't need to evangelize. It doesn't work that way. I'm going to be a Christian, but I'm not going to read the word of God. It doesn't work that way. I'm going to be a Christian, but I'm going to go to church under a body with a shepherd and be under the authority of a pastor. It doesn't work that way. To discover your call, it means to submit into the equipping ministry. My job is to equip you, not to do the work for you. I have a job to do the work as well, right? I've been called to my family. I'm a father. I'm a husband. I'm called to present my wife before God blameless. I'm called to speak God's word to my sons faithfully to raise them up as the Lord has called them to be raised up, to build a spiritual legacy in my home. That's my calling. I have other callings, right, as a pastor. Some of you guys may have different callings, but whatever it is, you have to be equipped. You have to know the word. So it, it makes no sense if you say, I'm going to do this ministry, and if you guys who are leading ministry, I'm going I'm to do this ministry to minister to people, but I don't know God's word. It makes no sense to have, I'll say, I'm going to be a person who's going to minister to this person's life, but I can't share the faith. I don't need to go to church to stand under any authority. Like I, and I've said this so many times. You don't have to come to this church, right? But just go to a church. Whoever that you're willing to sit under authority of, that's the place you go, right? I'm never... A believer is a believer. It doesn't matter which location the believer is in, right? A believer is a believer. You just submit to a place, be equipped by that place, and live out the calling that God has given to you. Okay, we'll talk about the calling in a little bit, okay? But I'm, I'm, just, I'm just setting up all the places up that needs to be there before you answer a call, okay? So the first thing you have to recognize is that everyone is called to something. Your salvation dictates that you are called. You are called to minister Somewhere. Secondly, you are designed in the, with individual beauty to carry out a very specific, unique call that God has given to you. You can never believe that you are nobody. The moment you think you're a nobody, that's ridiculous. 
God takes everything you have and he forms it into something glorious. The Bible says you are being sanctified and then eventually you will be glorified. You are not a nobody. You are being made into the image of Christ. And Christ is not a nobody, so how can a person who is being made into his image be a nobody? It makes no sense. So you cannot, you have to have that in your heart. And thirdly, you got to submit to the office of equipping. We are here to equip you. The word of God is here to equip you. You cannot be equipped if you barely even know his word. So I'm really proud of the Devo that we did for the 40-day challenge, right? Majority, majority, right? They're still working on it right now. They're still trying to memorize it probably right now as we're speaking, right? They had to memorize 21 verses from the book of Romans. Beautiful thing, 21 verses. I promise you, you live out 21 verses in the Bible, just 21 verses alone has the power to change lives already, especially those 21, right? Just have the Bible in your heart to know it. I'm not gonna lie to you, I don't know every single verse, verse by verse, okay? I know where they are in general scheme of things, right? If you ask me, like, do you know where this is? Yeah, it's in the epistle somewhere, right? Or like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I, can, I can go there for you, you know? But you got, but your lifetime is a lifetime of learning this. You get, you get me? It's a lifetime of learning this. To be equipped under the evangelist. Do you guys know why we do spread love, not fear? Even in this devo that we did, it was about sharing the faith. It was all about practicing to do what? To equip you to share your faith to equip you to wherever you go that you don't have this, this kind of like um, fear, like, oh, I can't, I can't share my faith. I'm not Christian enough. What, what do you mean? You're saved by the same God I was saved by. You're saved by the same faith, the same body. We're in the same place, same spirit, same God. You're not lower than anybody. You're not less Christian. You can share your faith, but the only problem is you haven't been allowing yourself to be equipped to share your faith because you haven't submitted your heart to submitting to sharing your faith. And same thing with the church. When you think the body of Christ is just something you can move in and out, show up when it's convenient to you, be a part of it when it makes sense to you. It doesn't work that way. God put this body together for the sake of what? That when his body is built together, my presence is there. And this body is what I'm using to be a blessing to the world around me. This right here is what you're called to be in. So if you want to align yourself with the body of Christ, you can't be a lone ranger in the Christian life. You can't just think, I'm a lone ranger here. You need to subject yourself to the spiritual equipping ministry. Okay? Here's the fourth thing. You guys got that? So first thing, your salvation is the same. There's no greater Christian or lesser Christian. Secondly, all right, you are distinctly and uniquely made. Yes, you. If you're thinking, not me, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a horrible person. A horror person who loves Jesus Christ, who's willing to walk with him, God can use. Right? And you're not that horrible. I mean, we're all horrible. We need the blood of Jesus Christ to save all of us. Right? And if you think that you're more horrible than somebody else, then you've forgotten. And you, you have no understanding of what the cross is. We're all sinners saved by grace. But you're uniquely, distinctly created with your past your life. You didn't choose any of these things. A lot of these things you didn't choose. But God has placed you there, crafted you, molded you in the midst of all of that to be used by him to answer the call. Thirdly, to answer this call, you got to be under spiritual equipping ministry. You got to submit to it. You got to submit to it. This is the fourth one, though. To answer a call, the mindset that you have to have, the goal of the call, is to build somebody up into maturity and growth. You're building somebody up to grow them. You're growing them. The call of ministry is to grow. The call of ministry is not mean in the church alone. The call of ministry could be in your school. It could be in your medical practice. It could be in your homes. It could be outside. It could be anywhere. But the call of it is to build someone into relationship and growth with Jesus Christ. Look at verse 14 and 16. This is what Paul says. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. You see, if you're equipped under the ministry of equipping, if you're submitting to those things, apostles, prophets, and teachers, you're not going to be tossed back and forth by every new age cultural voice that comes our way. You're not going to be lost in the, the ups and downs of the cultural narrative. 
You're going to be solid in the midst of all of that craziness that goes on. Because your equipping, your mindset, your obedience, your truth, your word comes from God himself. Right? Verse 15. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. To discover your call, you need to seek to grow people into spiritual maturity, into the likeness of Christ. If you're going to say, I have a call, PT, what, does your call build people into spiritual maturity? Does it build people to the likeness of Christ? No, probably not a call, right? Probably just something you want to do as a hobby, right? I have a call, PT. Does your call help people to know Jesus more and become more like Christ? No, probably not a call. The call that you have seeks for that. But the first thing is we need to seek for spiritual maturity in the people. You know know how spiritual maturity happens? Spiritual maturity happens when there's obedience. Spiritual maturity happens. Let me ask you this question. Why are some people who've been in the faith a very long time and may not be that spiritually mature? Versus somebody who maybe just came to faith and just are like leaps and bounds in their maturity. You know the only difference is? Obedience. That's the only difference. One knows the word. The other one actually does the word. One talks about it all the time, prays about it, gathers in groups to discuss about it. One actually does it. Spiritual maturity happens through obedience. So I'll give you an example. I'll give you a very simple example. Let's say I have, uh, I have a friend who... Um, who has a call for North Korea to help uh, those in North Korea, to help uh, uh, people run away from, uh, get out of, that, out of that place, right? They have a friend who, who's part of a ministry that does this. He does this. He, I mean, he has a side job, but this is one of his things that he has called in his life to do, okay? He's called into doing this. Now, he could talk about how much he loves to help North Koreans. He can think about how that is an important thing to do, or he can get into it and obey. And as he obeys, guess what he does with the group that he follows, that he leads, the, the nonprofit that he leads? He's causing them to do what? To obey too, right? He's building them up into spiritual maturity by getting them to obey what needs to be done. Not just sit around and talk about it, but actually to go out and do something about it. If you have a call, then the call that you are called to do is to help bring people into spiritual maturity. The second thing you're called to do, right, if you have a call, is that you're called to, to, uh, to see people to become more and more like Christ, to build up the fullness of Christ. You know what that means? That you're, that you're shaping, you're equipping people to become a people that's not about them, but it's about him. It's not about their rights, but the willingness to give up your rights. The calling of ministry, the calling of anything that God's given to you is that you're building people, you're building your family, you're building this group to grow in spiritual maturity by obeying God's word, right? Which requires you to know God's word, right? And you're calling them to become more like Christ. And more like Christ means that you're growing them to give up their rights, the rights to their to their um, finances, the rights to their time, the rights to their comfort. You're teaching them it's not about us. It's about God's kingdom. When Jesus Christ came, the first thing he said was, repent for the kingdom of God is near. What does he spend the rest of his time doing? Living out on the streets. The Bible says, foxes have holes, birds of the earth have nests, but the son of man have no place to lay his home, to lay his head. He gave up the rights of comfort and ultimately, he gave up his, his right to life for the kingdom of God. So any calling that we have is a seeking of these two things, to fulfill them in the life of the people around you, spiritual maturity and becoming more and more like Christ. Is that happening? If you're a parent in a home, you're called to do that for your family. If you're just a husband and wife, you're called to do that for each other to grow each other in spiritual maturity 
to have each other continue to obey God, that our family is a family that obeys God. And our family is a family that begins to live out Christ-likeness in us. Okay? The gifts are the means. The purpose is the full maturity of the body. Yes, follow me. You guys understand the call here? Right? Everybody has a call. And if you're going to answer your call, whatever it may be, okay, whatever, I know the question is like, so how do I find out my call, right? How do I discover? I'll, I'll give you in a second, okay? Everyone has a call. But to answer your call, to discover your call, these four things must be laid down. You must get out of your head that there are some Christians who are more Christian than me. That is incorrect. You are all Christians saved by the same blood, same death, same body. You have the same father. You are not more Christian than somebody else. Just like a son cannot be more of a, more of a son than, to his father than another son. It's impossible. You have to get through your mind that you're not worthless, that you're not lame, that you're not useless, that every part of your existence that God has formed and shaped it for his will, for his kingdom. He will use it for his kingdom, for his will. Every part of you, good and bad, things that you didn't even choose, he will use it for that. And thirdly, you have to understand that if you are going to answer the call, you got to submit to the equipping ministry. Are you submitting to God's word? Are you submitting to the learning of how to share your faith? Are you submitting to the community and the body of Christ here in this place, this local body that we call the church? And the fourth thing is you have to discover your call. You have to, in your heart, seek for two things in your call. The spiritual maturity of those you are called to and the Christ-likeness of those you are called to. If all of that is in place, if all of that is in place, and you understand that fundamentally in your heart, then let me share with you how to discover your call, okay? It's really fast. Three things, affinity, ability, and opportunity. Affinity, ability, and opportunity, okay? Once you have all four of those things in your life, then you can discover your call. Affinity, what does that mean? Affinity, your sense of burden. You have a burden for something. You, you just want to help with something. You want to do it. There's a yearning in your heart. There's a type of person that you're just drawn towards. There's a group of people that you're just drawn for. There's a type of problem. There's a type of problem that you love to solve, that you, that you enjoy solving. Right? There's a type of niche that I like working in. Whatever it is that you vibrate to, Right? And your whole bringing up, your whole upbringing, whatever it is that you vibrate towards, that you move towards, there's an affinity for that. That's how you begin to kind of localize your call, okay? There's an affinity, there's a burden, there's a wanting, there's a, there's a desire, there's a, I want this, okay? Secondly, there's an ability. There's an ability. When you do it, there's some sort of fruit that comes out of it. There's some sort of fruit that comes out of it. This is when the body affirms you, right? It's really easy to say, I really want to do that. I have a burden for that, you know? You know people that just like, I just want to do everything. I want, I want to do that, right? But do you have an ability for it, okay? Now, you can't, if you're mediocre at it, let's say you're mediocre at it, okay? You come at it, you recognize, I really have a burning desire for this, but I'm not very good at it. That just means that you need more training, right? And in the training, you actually get better really fast. There's something about that. When you, there's a, you actually grow in that ability quickly. You pick it up fast. But you also surround yourself with people that helps you. you don't, you're probably not the one leading it, but you're part of a group that's actually doing it, right? Now, if you have no ability whatsoever at it, and you actually suck at it, you have to ask yourself, maybe... I need to reevaluate this affinity, right? right? Like Pastor Tim said, for the glory of God, pick something else, right? <laughs> you, have to, you have to ask yourself, is this really what I'm supposed to be doing, right? And what is the motive behind why I wanted it in the first place? Why did I desire it? It's, just, it's on stage. Everyone can see me, right? I'm in charge. I have. You have to evaluate the motives behind it. 
right? Why do you want it so much when you're not that good at it? Okay? I'll, I'll tell you a quick story about that. You know, like, I'm your pastor, right? And I, I knew I had a cough, I had a burden for this to go into ministry, but to, to go into pastoral ministry. But here's the thing. I had a really big problem. I was not a good public speaker. Like, I would throw up every time I had to do public speaking. My first year of having to preach, I threw up every single Sunday. It was the worst. That's why I don't eat anymore on Sundays, because I, I know if I eat, I'm probably going to, like, agitate that somehow, right? It's always a nervous burden here. I wasn't good at it. I wasn't good at it at all. My first, my first preaching class assignment, guess what my grade was? It was a D, right? And I, after I got that D, I was like, I'm in the wrong call. Maybe I'm not supposed to be here, you know? And then my, thank goodness, my, my, my preaching professor was like, no, you have it. You just, it's just kind of, you just need to kind of work at it. You just got to keep working at it, you know? And he says, you got to put your hours in. Are you willing to put your hours in? I said, what do you mean? He said, it takes 10,000 hours to be a master of something, 4,000 hours to be proficient, 2,000 to be good. How much hours have you put in? It's like, six, right? <laughs> it's okay. Keep going, right? I think I preached for 10 years now, right? If I did the math, maybe 200, 200 hours a year, right? It's about 2,000 hours. I'm probably mediocre at this point, right? Probably just good. I'm not even like master yet, you know? But there's an affinity. There also needs to be an ability to bear fruit out of it. You guys get that? Just because you want to do it doesn't mean it's going to bear fruit. But here's the third thing that has to happen. You have an affinity. You're burdened for it. You want it. You have a niche for it. You vibrate towards it. You have an ability for it. There's fruit that comes out. People kind of respond. Things are happening. But then they have to ask the question, is there an opportunity for it? Okay? Opportunity means that God opens a door. Is the door open? That when you talk about it, God lets you find other people who wants to work with you and support you. That's the opportunity. Opportunity means that the kind of thing you want to do is available somehow to be done. You can have the affinity and the ability, but the opportunity is not there. Don't blame the church when the opportunity is not there. It just means that God's not time, is the, the time is not right for this to happen. You know, me, 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 and, um, me and Evan, we always had a fight about this, right? Evan, Evan is, is a master visionary, right? He sees things way before I see things, right? And, he, and he's able to, like, dictate and know the things that need to be focused on way before I can do it, you know? And he has the affinity, and he has the ability, and then when he calls people to do it, no one does it. And he gets mad. And I'm just saying, maybe the opportunity is not here yet, right? And let's just wait. Let's just wait. And then, and then after a while, you know, like, you know, six years later, opportunity shows up, you know, and it happens. It's like, hey, bro, it worked. Opportunity showed up. Yeah, but you know, we thought about this six years ago. I said, yeah, but it wasn't the right opportunity, so the timing was not right. The timing wasn't right. Like family ministry, and the majority of our EM is still like graduating. You know, like it's not working yet. Give us some time. Let them make babies. You know, it's gonna work out eventually, right? Opportunities. So here's the thing. So you may have an affinity, and you may have an ability, and let's say you step up. You say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Throw this out there, guys. I want to do this. And you know the call is ready, and you're ready for the call when what? People join you. God brings people to support you. God stirs people's lives to move you. I'll give you, I'll give you a great example, right? We've been talking about evangelism for, like, years now at our church, right? Years now. And, you know, we all have our own way of doing it. We all have, but here's the thing. Like, I really believe, I really believe we're moving towards a season of people actually having evangelistic ministry here. I can name you four people with a heart for it already. You guys probably know each other. You have to go find each other, okay? But there's four people that's probably, I know in this church, that has a heart for it already. You yourself can form a ministry about it, right? The affinity is there, the ability is there, and the opportunity is there. That means what? Answer the call. Answer the call. Whatever it is, right? I'll give you a funny one, like babysitting, right? I have a yearning to babysit kids, to, to bless the parents in order to that they can hear the word of God. I told this to the youth group kids, okay, so we'll see what they answer, right? So I, I said, you, I have an ability. I'm good. Kids love me. I'm the baby whisperer, right? 
and I speak it, and everyone just comes, and I have a bunch of people who's willing to do it with me. Then do what? Then do it. Answer the call. Answer the call. All right? I have, I have a call, I have a yearning and a, and, and a wanting to help people on skid row. I have a heart for that. There's a burden in my life. I can speak to people. I know that culture very well. Put it out there. See if anyone follows. Opportunity shows up. See if support happens. If it does, the calling is ready. If it's not, keep praying. You guys get me? If, if, it's, if the opportunity's not there, it's okay. It just means just keep praying. And eventually, if the, if the church is doing the church's job, God's going to move hearts to answer the call with you. It may take a few years, but as long as you're faithful in your prayer and you're still holding on to the call that God's in your heart, he is going to answer it, right? I remember many time, uh, a long time ago, I mean, uh, Diane and Perry, they told me, like, oh, we've been wanting a prayer ministry for a long time. Like, that's like eight years ago they told me this, right? So I was like, mm, keep praying. <laughs> right? We had an affinity, right? They had an ability, but there's no opportunity because no one really, like, really wanted to pray at that time, which is kind of silly because, you know, we all should be praying, but there's no one really wanting to step into this idea of prayer, right? And then God begins to work in God's people's hearts. Opportunities showed up. Now we have ministry, right? And that's just that's the church. It could be outside to the world around you. I have a calling for kids in the world countries to know the love of God and to break them out of cycle of poverty. Okay. You have an ability. I, I have a affinity for that. I have resources. It's working. Okay. You have opportunity. Do people want to come alongside and help? Yeah. Doors are open. So we go. Answer the call. Everybody has a call, is what I'm saying. You have to to discover your call. Because in the last days before God, that is what he's going to answer for. That's what you're going to give account for. Did you answer the call that I have given to you? Did you answer my call in your life? Not that you thought about it. Not that you prayed about it. But did you do it? Because in that day, well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done for answering the call. All right. And a lot of us, we, we, we think to ourselves, you know, like, this is nice and this is great, but again, you know, how can I be sure that I can even do any of this stuff? This is crazy. This is like what, what, you're, what you're calling me to do, what you're, what you're encouraging me to be a part of PT. It seems like it's too out of my reach, out of my control. That's the whole point. If it's in your reach, in your control, then you get the glory, right? But here's the thing I want you to understand. It is not outside your realm of possibility. Do you know why? Because here in Scripture it says what? What does he ascended, verse 9, mean? Except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions. He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. You are answering the call of the God of the universe, who died and came back from the dead. He is the God who rules all things. You're answering his call. Therefore, it is his equipping, his leading, and his journey in your life. So stop making it about you and start thinking about, Lord, what do you have me call? And let me step faith into it. Because if you try to control every situation, you're not going to do anything. Because the moment you start to control, you're going to look at every situation in your life and you think, that's too hard. That's too difficult. I can't make that choice. It's not possible. And so you step back and you say, well, when maybe I get better at this, then I'll start doing it. When all the while God is saying, make the call. Step into faith. Answer my call. And I will show you what you were meant to be doing. Some of us, we answer the call real early in our lives, and we see the fruit of it. Some of us, it takes us so many years because we keep denying and forgetting the call, and we keep pushing it aside, and we keep thinking to ourselves, until this happens, until this happens, until this happens. And when it does happen, you limp into it. You don't even actually go fully into that. You limp into the call. And it becomes this wishy-washy thing that gets you tossed back and forth, where you're not solid, you're not firm, and all you do is just kind of focus on what you want to do in your life at this moment. 
But God has descended so that he ascended to be ruler of all the universe. This God, this God is the God that controls. You don't tell the mountain to move. You tell the mountain, this is my God. So get ready to move. Because I'm not going to move you. He's going to move you. Right? My prayer for you is this, church. Can we stop talking about what we think we should be doing? And would you have the courage to answer his call? The call is different from your job, okay? That's got to be very clear of this. It could be the job, but it could be very different from the job. But your call is to bring people to the fullness of Christ, spiritual maturity, wherever you go, whether it's a nonprofit, whether it's, even if it's working in like a, if your call to like, if, you, if your call is business, that works too. You can figure a way to do business in a way that honors and, and builds people up to maturity of Christ, right? You can. But you have to understand if it's a call. If it's not a call, then just back off. It's not meant for you. But we all have one. I'm not saying you have to be in the church to do this call, by the way, right? It's not something that you're just doing. It's something that God's given to your life, given to your family, given to you to be doing for the world around you. It's building his kingdom so that we all come to together in one body, working together, building up his name. You follow? Let's pray.